Matthew 10 and 39 said, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I'll just read it to you. One of the martyrs of the Colosseum was Ignatius, Bishop of Antioch. And when I got to looking into this and studying this, it, it seems to be that most uh, Bible scholars or students of the Word of God and the history of the church seem to believe that both Ignatius and Polycarp were disciples of John. And so they, had a, they, had, they were that closely connected uh, to Christ and what Christ's mission was. One of the martyrs of the Colosseum was Ignatius, Bishop of Antioch. While the emperor Trajan was visiting that city, he heard of the faith and zeal of this minister of Christ and offered him a reward if he would sacrifice to the Roman gods. He replied, should you offer me all the treasures of your empire, I would not cease to adore the only true and living God. Now listen, folks, Rome ruled the world at this time. And Trajan was the highest man on the totem pole. And Ignatius was so in love with Christ he said, if you give me everything that Rome could produce for me, I will not stop worshiping God. Hallelujah. Amen. Ignatius was threatened, and when this had no effect, he was summoned to Rome. On his way to the imperial city, uh, to the imperial city, he was met everywhere by Christians, friends who he encouraged to persevere and who in turn strengthened his heart in his purpose not to shrink from any suffering uh, for the sake of Christ. He besought the disciples at Rome. You'll remember Paul uh, planted a church. There was a church at Rome. And uh, when Ignatius got there to stand before Trajan, he besought the disciples at Rome not to intercede for his life, expressing his perfect willingness to meet the wild beast and thus prove his love to his divine master. When brought into the amphitheater, he thus addressed the assembled multitude who were eager to witness his death. This is what Ignatius said. Men and Romans, know that I am not brought here for any crime, but for the glory of the God whom I worship. Praise God. And the words were scarcely fallen from his lips when the lines were let loose upon him and tore him in pieces. And when I was reading through this, in ancient uh, Jewish tradition relates that Ignatius, when he was a little child, was in the group that Jesus picked up and sat on his lap and blessed and said, Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I, I read these stories, and I say, Oh, God, I've failed you, and I've come up so short, and I want to do so much better. I, 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 listen, I, I don't want to come across as a fellow that's having a pity party about not being where he needs to be with God, but I can see that there's so much more there's so much more 
things I haven't even begun to tap into yet. Oh, God. Amen. With that in mind, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 14. Luke's Gospel, uh, the 14th chapter. Very familiar scripture. Well, praise God. I'll begin with verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Praise God. I know this has been touched on and talked about already, but I felt pressed in my spirit. I, I, I've, I've preached this some. Actually, this, this comes from a study that I did to take to uh, Africa and talk to our uh, ministers about there. I, I want to talk to you for just a few moments here tonight, if the Lord would help me, on the demands of discipleship. The demands of discipleship. Listen, folks, I, I, I like the church signs that said, everyone welcome. I believe in that. I, I, like, I like the song, you know, that uh, the sister wrote, uh, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. I believe he takes us in just like he found us. As a matter of fact, he come looking for us in that condition. But I feel like uh, talking to my generation about the responsibilities that we have after we have received such great love from the Master. If you will be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there are some demands that are placed upon your life. Would you lift your hands and pray and ask the Holy Ghost to help us here tonight? Father, I love you and I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for your grace and love. I thank you, God, for your compassion for all that you've done for us, God. Lord, I need you to help me. I need you, God, to touch my voice. 
God, I need you to touch my, my vocal cords, my throat. I believe you, God, to minister to this congregation tonight. Oh, God, I think I've heard from you. I pray that you would help me try to obey you. Send your anointing. God, because I know that it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. Oh, God, pull down every stronghold in the lives of men and women that are represented here tonight. Help us to have an ear to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. In Jesus' name. The church said amen. Turn around smile at somebody. If you're brave enough, shake their hand. Tell them you're glad they're here in the house of God. Praise God. When I first got saved and started making changes in my life, I, I'll say it again, I, I, I knew very little about the Bible. I knew very little about the things of God. I, I wasn't just raised in a, in a family of atheists. Uh, I, my grandpa on my mother's side was actually uh, a Baptist man. He was a part of the Southern Baptist organization and uh, he he, had, he was even ordained by that group and uh, but he was a, you know he was a, a, a reformed alcoholic I guess you could say I never knew him like that I just remember glimpses but all during my childhood I remember him going to church but he smoked cigarettes chew tobacco he'd slip out a little cuss word every once in a while. And uh, that's, that's basically the influence I had. I had an aunt that was the daughter of that grandpa that was a part of the Assemblies of God there in Ashboro. She attended the first Assembly of God there. And, uh, you know, I, I, she lived, uh, they lived in Ashboro, and I lived uh, down in Glenola, which is a little spot in the road uh, before you get to Archdale and High Point, North Carolina on Highway 311. And uh, sometimes she would come around at Easter and take me to their passion play. And uh, I remember seeing that. And uh, sometimes she would come around and gather me up and take me to vacation Bible school. And I would, uh, I remember drinking lemonade and making projects from popsicle sticks and eating sugar cookies. That's about all I remember from that experience. Uh, so I knew very little about the things of God. But when he saved me, I purposed in my heart, my life was in such a mess. I had in, indulged in, in terrible things that had entrapped me and enslaved me. And uh, I, when I came to Christ, I done felt like I done tried every, everything else, every way imaginable to stop being who I was. I knew I needed change and consequences that come about in my life as a young man. I recognized that a change is going to have to take place if I'm going to continue to survive on planet Earth. And uh, my wife's grandmother was an old-time Church of God, Holy Ghost-filled woman. And uh, right before we got saved at 23, my wife had uh, purposed in her heart that she was going to leave. That, uh, uh, you know, I just felt the need to talk to you about this. 
and uh, she felt the need to leave. And uh, we already had Joshua, our oldest son. I was involved in things I shouldn't have been involved in. And she had struggled with that from the time that we were married at 19 until uh, we were now 23 years old. And one day she went to visit her grandmother that lived right next door to her mom and dad. And she knew her grandmother was a godly woman. And uh, she remembered her grandma reading to her from the King James Version of the Bible and talking to her about her soul. And uh, my wife was actually a backslid Church of God girl. She was actually attending a Church of God in High Point when uh, we found each other at 15 years old at the middle high school. Praise God. Uh, but uh, I, I, I thought about that. Amen. And God reminded me of that just this week, hearing all of this about the love of God and the things of God. My wife went and spoke to her grandma. And she said, Grandma, I want you to pray. I'm getting ready to leave Kurt. That's what all the family called me. I'm getting ready to leave him. He's done so bad. I, I cannot stand to stay with him any longer. And uh, I, Grandma told Lisa, and I, I didn't know it until several years after I gave my life to Christ that year. Uh, but this is the advice that that old Holy Ghost filled woman told my wife. She said, Lisa, don't you give up on that boy. He's going to be our holiness preacher. I've seen something from God, and God's going to talk to him and call him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, I can't help. I can't help but to feel a flood of emotion when I talk about that. I want to be one of them that can see things in people that nobody else can see. I want to be one of them kind of followers of Christ. Amen. They're so connected and so close to him that they're willing to take a chance on folks that everybody else has given up on. Come on, can you say amen to me? Oh, lift your hands and praise the Lord right here. Let me gather myself together. I really want to preach to you about this. Amen. Uh, when uh, God began to deal with me about this particular message, amen, I had already been living for Christ for many, many years, and I began to go back through the things that God did for me and the path that Christ led me down. And when I began to study about what it means to be a disciple of Christ, I found it in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And when I dug into that, I found out that the word teach there, as used in, in the Greek version of the Bible, literally translates make disciples. Go ye therefore and make disciples. Amen. We've been thrust into a time when a lot of emphasis has been put on conversion and there, there has crept in among us 
a, a certain sort of easy believism. And a lot of people in the Pentecostal church has become more concerned about numbers. Uh, one man said nickels and noses than they are concerned about anything else. But Jesus never commanded us to travel and traverse the globe uh, to make converts unto him. He told us to go make disciples of men. Go teach them what I have taught you and learn them how to follow me with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. This easy believism that uh, uh, bombards our society. Amen. Just come and mouth a few words. Amen. Just repeat after the preacher. Amen. Ask Jesus into your life and just use him as a sidekick or an associate. Amen. As a good luck charm like a rabbit's foot or a four-leaf clover. That's the kind of gospel a lot of people have been hoodwinked into believing for truth. But the truth of the Bible teaches us that if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, it's going to cost me something. If I'm going to learn of him, if I will be a student of his word, then there are some demands that are placed upon my life. Praise God. I know that in this generation, they're going to say that we're fanatical. Anybody ever been called a Pharisee? Hey Amen. My family thought I was crazy. I'll never forget when God dealt with me to get rid of my television. My daddy called me. He was concerned about that thing. And he said, son, I don't mean to get in your business, but some of them in the family have said, you've decided to get rid of your television and raise your children without TV in the house. I said, yes, Dad, I feel like God has dealt with me that we can live without that, and that's a negative influence on the children I'm trying to raise. And my daddy, in his simplicity and his concern, he said, son... How are you going to know when the storms are coming? Come on now. Praise God. How are you going to know? I was raised in a household when it was usually running. Whether anybody was looking at it or not, it was background noise. Come on, say amen to me, somebody. And my family just could not comprehend uh, the changes that we were making. Some of them thought that we had joined a cult. Amen. Some of them thought that we had lost our minds. Amen. They called my, my, my wife's sisters, called her uh, pale face and plain Jane. Amen. Come on now. But I'd like to report to you. Amen. They thought we were fanatical. Amen. But my wife's middle sister, the one that gave us the hardest time, that poked fun at my wife. I've watched my wife go to bed in tears many nights of the hurtful things her middle sister said about her. Lisa's the baby. Amen. Because of our decision to follow Christ. But when 
that same woman uh, at 38 years old uh, was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Uh, amen. She died at 40. Uh, in them two years, uh, a lot of changes took place in her life. Uh, and when she got to where she couldn't recognize anybody, uh, she recognized my wife. Uh, she didn't call her Lisa. Uh, she didn't call her sister. Uh, she called her mama. Come on, say amen to me. Uh, amen. My wife stood by her bedside uh, in that nursing facility uh, day after day after day uh, for months. Uh, amen. Until she finally uh, led her to Christ. Uh, you know what my, my sister-in-law told my wife? Uh, she said, Lisa, I wish God would heal me uh, because I need to get up from here uh, and go travel the country and tell people about Jesus uh, the way you and Kurt do. Somebody's looking at you. Somebody's watching you. Come on now. They called us gypsies. That's what that woman called us when we bought our truck, first truck and trailer, decided to homeschool our children. They said, you're gypsies. My wife would try to testify how God's people would help us and be a blessing to us. And, and her honest heart, she was really bragging on Jesus and the goodness of God. But her sister turned it around. Uh, the one that she got to lead to Christ in her last days, uh, she turned it around and said, Lisa, don't you know why people give you all them clothes and all that money? They feel sorry for you. Come on now. Dragging them youngins up and down the highway in a camper. For a house, you're living in a camper. They feel sorry for you, bunch of gypsies. Come on, say amen to me. Boy, I'm telling you, we laugh and smile about it now. But when it was all happening, it was very hurtful. Amen. It wounded my wife's heart. Come on now. But she purposed in her heart. Amen. I'm not going to quit Jesus. I'm not going to give up on Christ. I'm going to learn more about him. I'm going to serve him with all that is within me. Let them call us fanatical. Fanatical. 